<laughs> King's kids, if you're in second grade on down and you want to go to junior church, we've got a, a teacher ready for you. Go. Ba-boom. That's fine. It's Miss Jerrica. If anybody, you know, she'll take a third grader today if we need to. We've got a couple third graders. Are you tempted? You going to stay with Miranda? I have to mention Miranda every time I'm up here, so it's good. There's nowhere to go. <laughs> All right. Um, taking a break from our wisdom series today, and with that, I want to remind you at the back of the auditorium there, I have a bunch of books set up uh, as you start thinking about what you're going to read in the next year, how you're going to grow. I, I've got a lot of books on seeking God's will, seeking God's presence, a couple of different devotionals, everything back there is for you to borrow. Um, and increase your faith in the next year, find a new way. Uh, if you've read the Bible through a million times, maybe choose a different version as you get ready to read through the Bible in 2023, uh, or a new reading program, or in a different order chronologically. Um, do something do something different to energize your faith. And also on that back table, we'll have more in the bulletin next week, but one of our big Christmas pushes is to do Operation Christmas Child. We're encouraging you to pack a shoebox that we will then mail around the world through um, Samaritan's Purse. So there are vouchers back there. And even if you're not going to pack a box, but you want to support one, they have an online option where you can just donate a certain amount of money and somebody else will pack the box. They have a huge facility down in Texas. So they, they've been buying bulk supplies. And if you'll give them money, they will buy more and they will pack a box and send it for you. So you don't necessarily need to go through packing the whole shoebox yourself if you're crunched for time or you've got a bazillion grandkids to take care of anyway uh, that's an easy out easy way and there'll be more coming in the bulletin next week about our annual christmas offering which we use our christmas offering every year to uh, double up our monthly support on our missionaries we happen to be privileged to have a missionary and his wife with us today i'm going to say missionaries because he's it you're, it's a team bill and debbie crawford come on up here Give them a hand. Pleasure to have you today. Is she speaking today? She is. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes it's better that way because he probably talks all the time. I can preach if you want me to. Oh, man. No, she's, she's ready to unleash. She's actually a better preacher than me, but we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> we don't say such words. <laughs> the truth hurts. The truth. Uh, let me start by asking you how long have you been... Um, Surrendered to missions. Oh my! Since well, 37. Well, that's 37 years. We were you know, we were approved in '98. '98. So that's 34 years. 34 years full time. Ministry. How long have you been married? That's 30. I'm asking her. Wait, no, don't she? <laughs> that's 37 years. 37 years. All right. <laughs> he teases me because he says I'm older than him, and then. When people ask me how old I am, I always say I'm older than I really am because for 37 ah. years he's been saying, you're older than me. So, <laughs> so i got to check to make sure. <laughs> and we've known you as missionaries to Germany for a very long time. Yes. Um, so that's transitioning. I'm going to let them talk about that. And we just want to say we're, we're glad you're here Thank today. You. Thank you for Thank the, you. the sacrifice, the time, sacrificing your lives, your, your families. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. And living for us. Thank you. Thank you for supporting us. We appreciate you. Thank you. Take it away. All right. Well, okay, I have a question. Okay, who remembers us from when we came? The first time. The first time. 
Do you remember the date? Was it like 98? I don't remember. Okay, it's way, way long time ago. <laughs> Did you used to do Taekwondo? Yes. yes. You're my first week here, you kicked me in the chest. I knew it was him. <laughs> I, I said, I wonder <laughs> if, yeah, I wonder if I did the martial arts thing here. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Was that you? That was, <laughs> did you go in the drums? Did he? Okay, that was somebody, was somebody else. else. Okay. <laughs> well, it's really good to be here, and we had a little bit of, I think Satan was really working on us not being here. We passed three accidents within a mile. One happened like 100 yards in front of us, and we were like, oh my goodness. But we got here um, several hours later, and we're good to go. So got a good night's rest. But to give you a little bit of background, from those of you, our children were 9 and 11, I believe, when we were first here. And now they are married and have kids. We have six grandbabies, and oldest being the 13 and our youngest being four. And of all six of them, there's one little girl, and she's our little princess. She's the youngest, or she thinks she is. But the, uh, our oldest daughter, Tiffany, and two of our grandsons are in Florida uh, doing full-time ministry. And our youngest daughter, Heather, and the other four grandchildren, she had married a German, and now they are, thank the Lord, moving to Illinois. And he will um, have a job there. So they're coming back here, or not coming back, but coming to the States. So if you could kind of pray for them in that way, because... Although Heather, um, people say, oh, it's good for you to come back to the States. Well, she doesn't really know the States. So this is a first-time gig for her, too, to um, come back to the United States with her family and everything. But during that time, just to kind of give you, catch you up, um, being in Germany, um, we were there for 24 years. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Okay, I always have to check with them. And... Then the, Bill's going to talk about our transition, but I want to give you a little bit of background as to what has happened to us in the last since 2000, basically five. 2005, we had gone to a trip to India. Bill was asked to preach in a college there for about a month. And upon coming back from India, we had all gotten sick with dinga fever and gotten better and everything. But from that time on, from 2005, I had been getting bronchitis pneumonia, bronchitis pneumonia for about three, every three months. And this went on. You talk about Satan attacking you. Um, this is how I was attacked spiritually in this way. And in 2019, I contracted the whooping cough. And those of you that don't know what that is, it's a very severe lung, um, what is it? It's, it's, I don't know if it's a virus or whatever but I got very, very sick, and it was supposed to have gone away in about six to nine weeks. Well, nine months later, I was still having the whooping cough, and during that time of the first three months, I was either literally throwing up or striving to breathe, and it, I didn't know. I keep saying, it wasn't that bad, and he says, honey, your pride. And apparently, I didn't really know how serious it was. And after nine months of having this, of trying to get better a little bit, our missions director said, okay, guys, you got to get off the field. Because we, we couldn't get good uh, doctor care over there. We, no. we, were, we were living in the former uh, eastern part of Germany behind, that was behind the Iron Curtain. 
and they still had not caught up medically. And so it was difficult to find a doctor. And, and, and There was so nothing they could do anyway. I remember I was on a video chat with uh, John Conrup, who's the missions director, and I had been in conversation with our sending church pastor. But while I was on that video chat with John, and I was telling him, I said, I, you know, I thought that I, w we would have lost her a couple times because she was in such a bad, I mean, she could hardly breathe. She was just choking and turning blue. And he said, you guys got to come home. So we decided then in September of 2019 to come home. Mm -hmm. And at that time, we, we came to a, the only place. Well, first we went to Houston to try to get, because that's our, where our sending church is in Houston. And we tried to get some uh, preliminary doctor care. But they wanted to run test after test after test after test. And um, we were in a hotel. And you can't live in a hotel indefinitely. And Debbie had uh, found a little missionary village in Bradenton, Florida. Two years prior, she was just doing research and seeing if, you know, if we come back to the States and do an extended furlough or whatever, where could we stay? Well, at that time, we weren't old enough. Um, and so we're now, old enough. Now yeah. we're old enough. <laughs> and it was a 55-plus little missionary village that was established in the 80s um, by... Uh, the the man who started Tropicana, and he was a, he was a Christian, and so then um, we were there, and we were and that's where she got her, her her care for the doctors. And within three months, I quit coughing, and as you all know, after that, COVID hit, and so we were now stuck. We were stuck in Florida. Here in Florida, not here, but in Florida, and that was a godsend because I was able to get the medical care and complete healing that um, I didn't know that organs of my body were shutting down. And so God used that. But in the midst of that, God began to do a whole lot of other things that we thought at first, we're done. We, we thought, Lord, what are we gonna do? Because a doctor had told us you cannot go back into that kind of climate that Germany is long term said y your lungs won't take it because they had said I'm gonna have to diagnose you with COPD well I am in denial because they gave me a clean bill of health and I feel wonderful and I've, I haven't been sick <laughs> since and but Bill's gonna tell you a little bit how that all came about yeah when finally when we were they're in Florida, and we're thinking, okay, what, what are you doing with this, Lord? Um, we, had, we had established leadership, and let me give you a little backstory. Through those years in Germany, we'd established leadership, which is great. We were able to disciple people and raise them up into the ministry and appoint a national pastor. And so we left that church in, in good order. And yet... <clears throat> When we came back off the field, we thought we wanted to go back and start another work in another area, but it looked like everything was closed. I mean, and so we're stuck like all the other missionaries were stuck. We were either stuck in the States or stuck on their field during that COVID situation. So we had talked to John Connor up and our sending church pastor about possibilities of going to another field because we just wanted to get to another field, but nothing opened up. And, and one day, John up said to us have you considered relief missions and we were like what is that and he said well since your work was international and you'd work with so many different nationalities there in, in Dresden 
why don't you consider this because basically what you will do is you will come or you will go and replace a missionary who needs to come on a, a furlough for whatever reason. I mean, there are many reasons why, why missionaries have to come off the field for furlough. It could be health, it could be fundraising, it could be anything. And so at first we were really excited about it and then it looked like COVID was getting a little bit more relaxed in 2021 and then it seemed like the doors were opening again in Germany. And so we thought we'd give it one more shot to go and move into the western part of Germany. Where the climate was a lot better. Climate was better and from the east to the west. But for us, we say, for us personally, it, the Lord did not allow us because I think many factors, COVID being one of them, to really connect and, and, and start a work there was just really difficult without a team because for, it took years and years to really get a foothold there in Dresden because it was so backwards because of communism and the mindset and it was just so heavy in the persecution and the, and the, and the mindset of, of the evil heaviness. I can't even explain it to you. It was, just so, it was so hard. Uh, but God was good and we grew a work through his grace and it still continues. But there it was just like hitting a wall. And so we knew that just within a few months that that wasn't going to happen. So we called John up and our church pastor, and they said, well, let's do the, the relief missions. And he said, we, we need to do this in the May Fellowship, and this was this past May. And this is, we couldn't be there because we were still in Germany, so we did a video. They put it before the fellowship, and they unanimous, unanimously voted us in as relief missions. And again, so... We have our first assignment that is coming up. Are you ready? We're leaving in January. And? We're going to Hong Kong. We're going to Hong Kong. Um, we will be going in January, and we'll be staying for six months um, to relieve a missionary of Grant and Rebecca Skelton. They started in China <coughs> and then went down to Hong Kong. And where's the pastor? He's over there. They know that missionary that you're talking about. Um, we were just talking about them, and they're doing a great work, and so they're good friends over there with them, so that's, that was really cool. So in doing that, I have to say that I didn't want to go because we had uh, just ridiculously fears that were, you know, our, our own fears, but my biggest one was is I don't do the mask. And so it's like, okay, Lord, you know, I don't need to do that. Well, guess what? I'm doing the mask <laughs> because they um, have not been able to um, take the mask thing off. But the good thing is, is that they're not requiring us to get the additional shots um, that we have to get. They're easing off on that, but they're still doing the mask thing. So Debbie's going to do the mask for a little while longer, and mm. I've surrendered to that. But I do want to say this. I'll go, I'll go in just a second. I want to thank everyone for your friendliness and just welcoming us in like, oh, you, you know, you're back like we just were gone for a week. And the, the difficulty is this, I have to say, <laughs> you guys see our picture every week, <laughs> okay? And we come into churches and y'all have aged. <laughs> so have we, but you've watched us age. And so we come in, I was at a fellowship meeting and this pastor kept smiling at me and he kept looking at me, smiling at me. 
And I told Debbie, I said, I'm not going to forget these guys this time because the last time I was at a fellowship meeting, I and I forgot who he was. <laughs> and he comes up to me, and I had went to school with him. And I'm like, good night. But I hadn't seen him in 25 years. And so it's like for us, seeing you, it's great. But if we look like a deer in the headlights, it's because you've, you've grown a little more mature. You've grown up. You've grown up, but you've watched us grow up. So it's nice, it is nice to be here, and, and we appreciate your faithfulness. I mean, all these years of your prayers and your financial support. And pray with us, too, because we have to raise additional support for a couple things. Number one, monthly support, because we have to now have this side of the ocean taken care of and that side of the ocean, wherever we are. We have to pay bills on both sides. And it's because we are stationed, uh, we're basing out of Springfield, Springfield, Missouri, that's where the missions office is, and that's where our bank is, and we can do a whole lot of things there. But we have to be out of the country six months out of the year. And so we will keep an apartment here in Springfield, but then over on the other side, we won't pay for the missionary's rent, but we have to pay for everything else. Transportation, utilities, internet, water, electric, all that kind of food, everything. And so this is something we didn't realize. It really hit us hard about a week ago when we thought, oh, we're going to have to be homeless and give up our apartment. But we sought some counsel, and we were able to work some things out to where we're going to be able to stay. And I do also want to say this. One of the reasons why we weren't able to come home for 15 years was because we didn't have a missionary to relieve, to us. relieve us. And, and you need someone that you can trust. And, and at this point in time, for all the hundreds of missionaries we have in the fellowship, there's only one other couple in us. That's it. With 400 missionaries. So, so we're going to be busy. We're going to be busy. So minimum will be out of the country six months, could, could go up to longer. So it just depends on what the missionary needs. But then there's flights, and the flights over there are not cheap. And then there's the monthly. So um, also we wanted to get a newsletter out. Oh, yes. Okay. I, I get so excited about this. We put out a little monthly video about a minute, minute and a half. And I was talking to somebody about if, if we could have maybe a piece of paper and you want us and you want to get it personally, that's not a problem. Just give us your name and email and we will make sure that we get you on our mail list, mailing list and we're fixing to send one out when? Monday? Mm -hmm. Yeah, something like that. And you'll get to, you'll, it'll be old news for you, so just look at it anyway. But the next month there'll be some surprises for you. But I think that's it. That's it. I'm done. Right. Okay. She's a cutie. Turn your Bibles, if you would, to John chapter 20. And when the pastor said we're stopping our wisdom series, I felt like that must be the foolish part. So um, I, I guess uh, I didn't want to take that too personal. But uh, I just really hope that today that we can be a blessing to you, to your pastor, to your pastor's wife, to everyone in the church. I mean, in Christ, we're all brothers and sisters. Amen. And if there's, not, if there's someone here today who does not know Christ, please listen. Listen to what's being said, what's being taught. And if you are in Christ, you know, see what God has for you today, how he speaks to your heart and to your mind 
what he brings to you. Because some of it will be like, oh, I know that. Oh, I know that. But when I remember a long time ago hearing an old preacher, he said, listen, when the word of God is opened and spoken and preached and taught, there's something God can teach you through it, no matter how good or not good the preacher himself is. So we thank God for his word, for his Holy Spirit. And before we start, let's go to the, the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you for this time that we are just able to come and open up your word, Lord, with freedom still in here in the United States, for there are many places in the world that do not have this kind of freedom. And Father, we see our freedoms being ripped away from us more and more every day, even here in the States. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would help us as in individuals, Lord, to experience a personal revival in our hearts and in our lives, so that then we will see a corporate revival take place in our churches and we'll see a change in this country. I pray, Heavenly Father, we see souls saved and lives changed in this country and around the world. And again, we thank you for this church and their faithfulness. And thank you, Father, that they've faithfully prayed for us and given to us all these years. And Father God, bless this time and use me as your mouthpiece. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. John chapter 20. This message is, is entitled, Three Benefits of the Resurrection. Now, we all know that there are many more benefits than just three benefits of the resurrection, but in this chapter that we'll be looking at today, there are three specific things that I want to focus on, and I want you to focus on as well. My wife says she can't hear me. You might want to turn the mic up. <laughs> With that said, I want to look at the peace and the purpose. The peace and the purpose and the power given because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. These are the three benefits, the peace and the purpose and the power. I would encourage you to take notes. You might not remember all this at a later date. John's Gospel states that early Sunday morning, Mary Magdalene arrived at the tomb only to find the stone rolled away. Luke tells us that when she ran and told the other disciples, at first they did not believe what she was saying. Yet, John and Peter, in spite of this crazy story she was telling, they got up and ran to the tomb, as we all know. And we know that John got there first, but stood outside the tomb, looking in, in amazement, but Peter, being Peter, just bursts in and looks in to see where the Lord is, and of course, the Lord is not there. And so, let's look now at the first benefit of the resurrection. Number one, the first thing is peace in the midst of fear. Peace in the midst of fear. There's a lot of things in this world today that cause us to fear. Think about the past two years with the COVID scare. People were terrified to even interact with each other, to come close to each other. Debbie's talking about the masks and all these things, and people didn't want to touch each other or sit by each other or, or meet in a church together because this supposed disease was going to wipe out everybody. And so many Christians honestly showed a lack of faith and allowed fear to captivate them 
like they'd never been captivated before because they believed the narrative that was being taught from the media. And I'm not denying that people die from it, but the millions upon millions that were claimed that were going to die in wiping out society did not happen. And we need to be a people of faith and not of fear. We need to be a people of faith and not of fear. Amen? And so here we have peace in the midst of fear. Look at John chapter 20, verse 19 and 20. If you have your Bibles, please turn there. <coughs> it says, so, well, I'll read it from, from here. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So this peace that we're talking about here, we, would, we know the name or the word shalom. This is what Jesus said, shalom peace, this peace, this inner peace, this harmony, this calmness of spirit, in spite of what's happening around, he says, peace be with you. Jesus, of all people, knew how they were feeling at this time, right? He knew they were scared to death. I mean, they're in a locked room, and then he appears out of nowhere. We can't just undermine or dismiss this story. We have to put ourselves in their shoes and say, Listen, do they have a reason to be afraid right now? Is this a phobia, you know, some unfounded fear or something really that they should be afraid of? And I think they had reason to be afraid. They had real people out there who had just stirred up the authorities to nail their Lord to the cross, to nail our Lord to the cross. So they weren't making things up in their minds. They weren't being paranoid or creating a false scenario. They really had a reason to be afraid. When we fear, and this is something I just want to be completely honest about, because I struggle with this too. When we fear God, or fear man, I'm sorry, when we fear man, when we fear circumstances, we are showing an unbelief in God. Think about that. When we fear man, when we fear circumstances, when we fear disease, when we feel financial struggles, we are showing unbelief in God and disobedience to him as well because in the scriptures, it tells us many times, fear not. Many times it says, be courageous. Why? Because the Lord says, I am with you. Do you believe that? One person believes that. My wife. <laughs> we need to have a fear of God and not a fear of man. Not a fear of disease. 
not a fear of death because God is in control. But here's the kicker. We have had such poor theology now going across this country for the past 20 years that it is affecting how we think as Christians. See, as a missionary, I left the States in the early 2000, 2001. I've come back to a different United States of America. It's, it's changed. It has changed a lot. And the church has changed a lot. And we have to understand that this poor theology has infected many believers in the church and has reached you through YouTube and through books and through podcasts and many other venues to where you have a wrong understanding that when I come to Jesus, everything's going to be okay. I'm going to have no more problems. In an ultimate sense, that's true. But in a temporal sense, that is not true. Because Jesus himself said this. John 16, 33. Let's turn over there. John 16, 33. <clears throat> Jesus says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, however, you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Amen? So Christ himself says, I'm bringing you ultimate peace. It's an inward peace that in spite of all of the circumstances of life, you can have peace in the midst of all the storms. But I'm going to tell you the reality, he says. In this world, you're going to have tribulations. Turn over to chapter 14 of John. Just so you don't think I'm making this kind of stuff up. <laughs> John 14, 27, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Notice, not as the world gives do I give to you? See, the world gives a false peace, is what Jesus is saying. Satan gives a false sense of security. Sometimes it's our health. I remember as a young man, I was very strong and very healthy and seeming invincible, and yet I got older and weak. Or you build up your fortress and your finances, and then what does the Bible say? Th that money has wings and it flies away. So we have to understand that Satan says, I'll give you these things and you're going to have peace, but that doesn't bring peace. Not the kind of peace that is, comes with Jesus. And then he says this, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. God doesn't want us to be afraid. Paul says, though, to Timothy, his young son in the faith, all who desire to live godly will suffer persecution. Now, we don't understand that yet in the United States like they do in China or North Korea or the Middle East or Africa where Muslims and or atheists or 
Hindus or Buddhists are persecuting Christians at an alarming rate. It is said that there are over 100,000 Christians per year that are being persecuted and many unto death. 100,000 per year. And we sit here in relative comfort. But our comforts, as I prayed, are being ripped away from us slowly, as you have noticed over the past years. And they're going to be coming after Christians in the United States. And those freedoms that we once experienced are going to be no longer. This is just a reality. America is not heaven. Can I get an amen out of that one? I don't want to be here for all eternity. I want to be with the Lord. I'm thankful for this country, but it isn't heaven. And so we need to understand that if we are a believer and we stand for what is true, we are going to be hated. What? We're going to be hated. Jesus himself said this. Turn over to John chapter 15. Jesus says in John chapter 15, verse 18, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. So here's the thing, folks. If they persecuted our Lord and they hated our Lord, why would they not persecute and hate us? If the world embraces you as one of its own, there's a problem. And I'm not tr saying, please do not misinterpret saying being, try to be an uh, a direct offense on purpose. <laughs> the message itself, the life of Christ, the light repels the darkness, Jesus said in John 3. And so our testimony, our holy light, is when we bring that into the room, it's either going to draw or repel. Paul said we're either a fragrance that is sweet to people or foul to people. It depends on what God is doing in their heart at the moment. So the disciples, from a purely human perspective, had a legitimate reason to fear the Jews who had just killed the Lord. If you recall, though, earlier in the ministry of Jesus, he's out on that lake with the disciples, and there's a storm, and they're freaking out because he's walking on the water. And Peter says, if it's you, Lord, call me out. And he does. He says, come on out to me. He starts walking out on the water. He walks out on the water, and he's walking on the water, literally walking on the water. And then he starts to sink. Why does he sink? He loses his focus. He takes his eyes off the Lord. He looks at his circumstances. He looks at the surrounding problems around him, and he begins to go down, and then he cries out to the Lord to save him, and the Lord reaches out and pulls him up. 
Debbie and I were just blessed to be able to go down to Sight and Sound in Branson, and we were able to watch the thing there of this actual event. It was really cool how that they depicted it. And it just helps you put it into perspective of what the Lord did at that moment in pulling Peter up out of that water when he was going down. Debbie said, she alluded to us having fear when we heard about Hong Kong. And it really was. At first it was exciting, and then it was like, wait a minute, England doesn't own them anymore, China does. And we know all that we know about China. And I thought, how are we going to get in there? How are we going to get out of there? How are we going to survive and move around in there? Um, and we began to kind of get our focus off the Lord. And we let those fears overwhelm us. And then we went to church the next Sunday, and the pastor was preaching from a very familiar passage that I had preached on before in Luke 9 and Luke 14 of counting the cost of following Jesus. And Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, you need to count the cost. You need to deny yourself, and that means deny your dreams, your goals, your desires, Take up your cross, meaning willing to die if necessary, and follow me, meaning wherever I send you. And then after church, Debbie goes, she nudges me and she says, go talk to the pastor and see what he says about this whole China thing. And I said, I don't want to talk to the pastor. I said, I know what he's going to say. I preached that sermon, woman. She goes, go talk to him. Go talk to the pastor. I said, okay, I'll go talk to the pastor. So I went up to the preacher, and I said, hey, preacher, and I gave him the back story, and he said, well, you know what you got to do, Bill. He said, if God's called you, you need to go. You just need to trust the Lord. And I said, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> but he was right. But we were taking our eyes off the Lord just for a microsecond, and... We, those fears just come upon you and they absorb you and they make you do, to lose sleep. Have, have any of you been there? You ever lost sleep before, had anxieties or worries? Anybody, anybody? Two, three people. Okay. I know that I have. But I've got to trust the Lord. Matthew 10, 28. Turn over there to Matthew. This is really good. The Lord said... Actually, wrong chapter. You don't know it is. I'm right. Ten. Yeah. Bear with me. Matthew 10. Familiar passage. Something that I go to. Verse 28. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore you are of more value than many sparrows. Now even though some of us, our hair is not too hard to count, the Lord knows how many hairs there are up on top of this dome. 
And God cares for us. He says, don't fear those people. And some of the people out there can be scary. I'll tell a story that I haven't told too many people. When Debbie and I were in Dresden, during the time that she was very ill, there was many things that were going on. One of those being that the government had written me a letter that said that we were being audited after 12 years of having our church and filing our taxes. It was like the IRS coming down upon us. And we're this small church of about 50 to 60 people being faithful, serving God. And they're saying, you're not spending your money the way we think you should be spending it. And I'll tell you, the anxieties and the doubt and the, the, just the darkness came over me. And I could hardly function. Because I was just going through my mind and saying, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? What, what could I have done wrong? And it was just weeks that went by that we could hardly eat. I remember that. And we lost about 10 pounds, and we were just praying. We couldn't eat. We couldn't hardly sleep. We couldn't do anything but just barely even call out to God for help. And verses like these helped me to say, don't fear man. But it took two years before things died down. And we were in the States, and I got a video chat from our CPA who earlier had said, you guys are in big time trouble. And you might owe 500,000 euros. And he says, I got a letter from the Finansamt, their IRS. And he said, they're saying there's not that much of a big deal going on here. And you're only going to have to pay a very small amount. So don't worry. I was like, thank you, Jesus. But God is good. But sometimes we see those things and we don't know how we're going to get out of it. Whether we've created it or Satan is just attacking. So at that same time, she's deathly ill. The IRS of Germany is coming after us. I'm preaching, teaching, discipling, feeding, grocery shopping, cleaning the house, doing everything, and we are completely burned out. And one day when I was standing in the, I was up in the attic and she was trying to call me she couldn't because she couldn't breathe. And I came down the ladder from the attic and I saw her and she's going <gasps> like that. <clears throat> and I had to go over to her and I had to carry her to a chair. And two of the girls from the church were there and they're just, they don't know what to do. They're about ready to call their version of 911. And I could only pray over Debbie. I'm not charismatic, but I do believe in the power of God. And I just began, I put my hands on her and I prayed and she calmed down. And at that time, I, I went and talked to Connor up and our other, our pastor. And they said, get home now. 
And that was what was going on. But these are the things that's hard to share with our churches because we don't want to burden you with these kind of things and we don't want to sound like we're complaining. These are the hard things for missionaries to relay these things to you. So pray for your missionaries because you never know what's going on in their marriage, in their health, with their finances. You just don't know what's really going on at times. And, they, and Satan is attacking hardcore because he knows that we're out there with the gospel and he doesn't want it going out there. The second thing that I want to look at now is, besides the peace, is we want to look at the purpose. John 20. Go back to John chapter 20. John 20, 21. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Jesus was reminding them what he had been training them for for three years, that I'm going to send you out with the gospel. We know this today as the Great Commission. Now, we have to understand this as believers. The Great Commission, although it was given to the 11 remaining disciples after he rose from the dead, does not mean that it was only given to them. And does not mean it's only given to your pastor. It's given to all believers of all time. If that was not true, the gospel would not go forward. It would have died out with the, with the 11. It would have died out with them, but it didn't. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, I'll just give you a clip of that. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every person. Luke 24, 47 to 49, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations. John 20, 21, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I send you. All four Gospels give a part of this commission. In Jesus' high priestly prayer with his disciples in the upper room, he prays the Father in John 17, 18. He says, As you, Father, sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. He's talking, of course, in context of the disciples, but this also extends to us. And this is where missionaries are engaged now, going out into the world. Many of you have not been called to do that, but you have your mission field is here. And we'll talk about that in a moment. There are billions of people on this planet, and most of them have not heard the gospel. We need more missionaries. We need more pastors the sad thing is, many people today are not surrendering to being pastors and missionaries today. Our Bible colleges and universities are dying off. Things that used to be places of theolo theology, like Harvard and Princeton, are, are just liberal organizations these days. So we, Debbie and I are looking forward to this opportunity for us to go not only to Hong Kong but beyond to take this message with us. The last thing that we need to look at is the power to be witnesses. In John 20, 22, Jesus says, And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. 
receive the Holy Spirit. It's not about a method reaching people. Methods, there's all kinds of methods. This is how you win a soul. It's not about a technique. It's not about these things. It's not about a plan per se. Those things help, but they aren't the things that win people to Christ. Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in both Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria, and to, even to the utmost parts of the earth. So we need the power of the Holy Spirit. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. This is your Jerusalem. Enid, Oklahoma is your Jerusalem. Okay? Your Judea is the state of Oklahoma. Okay, your Samaria is the rest of America, and the uttermost parts of the earth is obvious. This is your missions program. People like us that you help send around the world. As believers, we have no ability to affect the lives of people apart from the power of God. We have to understand this. Even this morning, this message will affect no one unless the Holy Spirit is working in your heart. Unless the Holy Spirit is moving in your heart and life in conjunction with the Word of God that is being spoken, you will not respond in any way to the message. I can get up here and do a song and dance or do the martial arts like I used to and wow you with all these tricks, but if the Spirit of God is not moving in you, you will not respond. You will not respond. We need God's power. Back in the Old Testament, Zechariah 4, 6, Zerubbabel was trying to rebuild the temple, and God says, not by power or might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. He would not be able to rebuild that temple of God without the power of God upon him. John 15, 5, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, in context, he's saying, I am the vine, you are the branches. We branches need to bear fruit and more fruit. But he says, apart from me, if you're disconnected from me, if you're trying to do it through your techniques and your plans and your tricks, it's not going to happen. There's not going to be real fruit that is born in that. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 16, 13, I give this to many young men, but it applies to young ladies as well. Paul wrote, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Now the strength he's talking about is not inner strength. He's talking about the strength that he talked about when I came and preached from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We need to put on that armor every day in order to fight in the battle, or we will be defeated. So in summing it all up, the disciples, after they heard the Lord say, Peace be with you, they now were able to have this peace and a true purpose that was resolved in their hearts and minds. And now they knew where the power source was really going to come from, and it was the Holy Spirit who showed up at Pentecost. And when you come to Christ, when you truly come to Christ, you also can have this peace in the midst of your storms, in the midst of your trials, in the midst of your tests. You can have a purpose to go 
Listen, you can, you'll affect people that your pastor will never speak to. Every day you talk to people at your jobs, in your neighborhoods, at the store, and people are watching and listening, and you say, I'm a Christian. What does that mean? I have to remind myself this all the time, that when I'm out there, I have to have a compassion for the people I'm dealing with because I might just act more like an American than a Christian. And we need to act like Christians, and we need to be that salt and that light in this world. If not, God will use someone else, and you'll miss out on a blessing. God's work will not be thwarted if we fail. People are still going to come to know Christ. So we have peace if we're in him. We have power, purpose, and power, and we need it just like the disciples did. And this is what I want you to focus on this next week. Think about these things and pray about these things and ask God to give you a peace that passeth all understanding. And remember that peace comes through the Holy Spirit as we know the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. So when we're walking in the Spirit and not in the flesh, we'll have that peace in spite of our circumstances. And pray with us as we go, because this is a big step. We're going out to the unknown, literally. We've never been to Hong Kong. We've been to other places, but we're going to Hong Kong, and we have to raise support, and we have to buy plane tickets, and, and we have to get there on a flight that takes 16 hours, which is a huge fun can't tell you how much fun that is sitting on a plane for 16 hours and then you got to get off and try to recover from jet lag and then you got to hit the ground running and you know get in the swing of things and by God's grace the young couple will be with us for about two or three weeks and we're going to work with them and they're going to show us you know where this and that and the other is and and so we're excited. It's a, it's a learning curve. And uh, so just pray with us. And we know that you will. And we thank you. And let's go to the Lord in prayer. And, and then we can just fellowship. Father God, I just thank you for this time, this opportunity that you've given me to preach and teach your word. And Father, so often we walk through life knowing these truths. And, and yet... It's so easy to take our eyes off of you and then start to sink and start to panic and start to fear and start to worry. Father God, I pray for each of these people that are here today, if, if anyone does not truly know you as their Lord and Savior, that right now where they're sitting, they would call upon you to save them, that they would repent and ask you to be their Lord and Savior. I pray, Father God, for this church, for its pastor, and for everyone serving here in Eden, that they would be a blessing and a light in this community. Thank you for them. And bless them. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to end things a little differently than usual. Eric, go grab an offering plate from out there on top of the, on the bookshelf. Um, we give to them regularly. If you're already a regular giver to missions, we've already cut them a check today. We're going to send them home with a blessing. Uh, if you don't give regularly or you want to give extra, Eric will be back standing by that door. Anything that lands in his plate is going to go to Bill and Debbie. Uh, what's easiest for you? Just write a check, Mr. Bill. A check, cash. Yeah, 
Uh, it's going to go straight to them to make yeah. up for the trip today, to help them on their trip to Hong Kong. Um, and if you want to uh, give long term, that would be welcome too. We as a church are committed to support you. Um, so thank you for going in our place. Thank you. This is you going to Hong Kong. This is you sharing the gospel in Hong Kong. If you help them get there. They take your place. That's how it works. You can't say he's going for you if you're not helping him go. Pray him there and pay him there. That's the plan. Um, so let's all stand. Mr. Mark, will you come read our benediction for us, and then uh, we'll close out. You okay, Eric? Eric's excited. <laughs> he is. He's smiling the whole time. Okay, this is from Romans 10, verses 14 through 17. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. However, they did not all heed the good news for Isaiah says, the Lord who has believed our report. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Amen. God bless you, Bill and Debbie. Thanks for joining us today. Amen. Shake their hand on the way out and don't miss the offering plate.